We are going to be in Mark chapter 10. Uh, if you have a Bible, you can head that way. Uh, if you don't, no worries. We're going to put it on the screen. Um, we have been going through the book of Mark here on Sunday mornings, just like one one uh, story at a time, one little passage at a time. And um, we get to uh, a story that it's a very like typical Jesus story, and I love it very much. Um, and I want to, before we just kind of like basically talk about the end of the sermon before I get into the beginning of the sermon. So if you're here with us for the first time, uh, we, we kind of have a rhythm of response after the sermon that uh, is, is maybe, it may be exactly what you are used to. It might be a little bit different though. Um, different personalities, different, different places in life, different, uh, I don't know, just different styles of response that whenever, whenever God does something, some people, some people want to sing, some people want to pray, some people want to, they want to like take notes and write things down. And, and so when God begins to stir in the, especially in the teaching of the scriptures and stuff, uh, we, rather than giving you one way to respond, we like to kind of just give options. And so, uh, after the sermon, there'll be people moving around the room responding in a couple of different ways. And, uh, so let me just kind of run through what those are. One, one is that we are going to stand and we're going to sing some more. And so if singing is, is what you feel you need to do in response to whatever God may be doing, then we'll give you that, that opportunity. While we are singing, some people may want to pray. And that can happen right, right where you are. You can stay seated. You can stand and pray. You can do whatever. Um, sometimes it's helpful, though, to, like, to, um, to put some literal legs to your prayers and like walk down. And so if it would help you to come and kneel at these steps, you may see some people down here kneeling and praying. Uh, that is an option. Um, if you want to bring someone with you, you can, you can definitely do that. We'll have a couple of our ministers on the front row down here if you want someone to pray with you or to talk about what's stirring in you. And so, uh, so we'll sing, we'll pray, and uh, you, may, you may also want to um, participate in communion. Uh, God has given us this this meal, this really simple, small meal that uh, when when we take this, we are reminded of the body of Christ that was broken for us on the cross and the blood of Christ that was poured out for us. That everything that we're doing, everything we sing about, everything, everything that we are uh, comes down to what God has done for us. And so he's given us this meal to, as a remembrance. He says, every time you take this, uh, you're remembering my, everything about me, my life, my death, my, my resurrection, my ascension, and the, the fact that I'm interceding for you now, and the fact that one day I'm going to come back and create everything new forever. And so uh, all that is encompassed in this little meal. And so we do a, uh, just to warn you, we do a gluten-free like little piece of bread. And uh, I catch more flack about that than just about anything in my whole life. Um, Because it's not the most pleasant tasting thing in the world. But, you know, it probably isn't supposed to be. That's a whole other conversation, right? But it's a little piece of bread. And the way that'll happen, we'll have two stations down here. And people just get in a line and you take the bread and you dip it into the, into the juice. It's a, historically it's, it's called intinction. If you want to know the fancy word for it, but the church has done that for a long time. You take the bread, you dip it into the juice and you take it. And they're going to say, as you, as that happens, they're going to say the body of Christ broken for you, the blood of Christ poured out for you. And they will say it over and over and over again. And there's something about watching all these people go to the same table 
Jesus is basically, he's, he's the one really offering his body and his blood, and there's enough for everybody, you know? Um, and so, uh, so we'll, there'll be some singing, some praying, some receiving of communion. There'll be people moving around. And that isn't because we're trying to do something weird. It's because we really take seriously the fact that God has gathered us, that he's going to reveal some things, and we're supposed to respond to them. And so you can do any or all of those things or none of those things, but we just like to have options. So we're in the book of Mark. Let me just read the, we'll read the whole story together, starting in uh, verse 46. And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Now when I say that's a typical Jesus story, that's a typical Jesus story, right? Um, Sometimes studying the scriptures uh, can kind of seem like a, maybe like kind of an intimidating thing. And I, when I went to seminary, I, I thought like, okay, I'm going to come out of seminary in a couple years, not being intimidated by the Bible. And uh, lo and behold, that did not happen. That is not what they taught me at the seminary. And if anything, I'm more intimidated by the Bible after having studied uh, there. And so that that didn't unlock any keys to me. I used to I grew up in the church, and I would always be amazed at like how did the how does the pastor know all this stuff? It's so amazing. And, he knows all this stuff because he has books that other smart people have written, and he has studied those books and compiled that into a sermon. So uh, just pulling back the curtain a little bit. Um, so one of the things that, that I have, have done, I'm, I'm a simple person, and so um, when we first started going through Mark many, many years ago, um, I started just in every passage just asking two questions. That in, in, no matter where we are in the Bible, there's, God wants us to, there's like two things that we can ask, and a lot of times they're both answered. Sometimes it's one more than the other. Here are the two questions. What does God want me to know? What does God want me to do? When I read this, he wants me to know something, otherwise it wouldn't be here. And he wants me to do something with it, Right? And so uh, I, I pass that on, one, just to say, if, if you're just wanting a really simple like, play, like way to study the scriptures, I find that very, very helpful for me. Um, so that's, you know, there you go. But the other thing is that that's, I'm going to structure the sermon kind of in that way. So those are the two broad questions. Based on this passage, this story, what does God want us to know? And then what does he want us to do? And conveniently, there are three bullet points within each question. So, uh, so there you go. So if you're a note taker, now you know how to structure your page. Um, so the first, the first question, what does he want us to know? Um, first thing, I think he wants us to know that he, he cares about 
your pain. He cares about your pain. Look at verse 47. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Mercy is, mercy is, is, is the key there. That's, that's what he's asking. And um, I, 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 like I said, I grew up around church. I've, I've heard a lot of those terms, but I, my understanding of some of these words has changed over the years. My grandmother was a, like mercy, like she was a like, Lord have mercy was like her, like one of her catchphrases. And it could mean something really great or something really awful. I had just covered the spectrum. Um, but mercy is like in the scriptures, mercy is always tied to pain. So when we hear the word mercy, we need to think about people who are in painful situations, people who are hurting. Um, for this man, it was the fact that he, he was blind. And in that culture, uh, it was like, this is how you survived is you would, you would, uh, figure out where the, where the foot traffic was. You would take a cloak and spread it out on the ground and you would beg for money. You would beg people to have mercy on you. And it's not, it's mercy is tied to pain, but having mercy on someone means, would you reach into my pain and help me? So he's saying, Jesus, son of David, would you have mercy on my pain would you reach into my agony, my struggle, my hurt? And what does Jesus do? Verse 49. Jesus stopped and said, call him. He stopped and he said, bring, bring him over here. I have time for someone who is hurting. And I know in a room this size, there's, uh, there's all kinds of need for mercy. There's all kinds of pain going on. We're all walking around with, with wounds from uh, our experiences, things people have said, things people have done. Um, we are, are walking around with, with concerns about finances and con- concerns about our jobs and concerns about our physical health, um, concerns and, and fears and worries and doubts and anxiety. And, and whatever, whatever is burdening you, I think we look at this passage and I think God wants us to know that he cares about it. If it's hurting you, he cares about it. We got a lot of parents in the room. And your child, if they are hurting, it doesn't matter if it's legit hurt or just something that they're just being dramatic. It still stirs you up to see your kid crying. And so whatever it is that you're going through, um, I, don't, I, don't, I, think we're, I think we're supposed to like not be dismissive of the fact that he, Jesus cared about this guy. In, in their day, the, like, the, these were the folks who were pushed to the margins. No one cared about them. And Jesus stops and says, I have, I, basically, I have time for you. Call him. Bring him to me. So that's the first thing. He cares about your pain. The second thing, he wants us to know that, that he desires to help you in your pain. He's not like, oh, you know, like, like I care about that, but I, but I don't, I don't really want to help you. You know, that burdens me, that saddens me, but um, I'm not going to do anything about it. That, that's not what Jesus is showing us here. He not only cares about your pain, but he wants to help you with your pain. Look at verse 51. When, when Bartimaeus gets over to him, Jesus says, very simply, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? Like what a, like... When people are like, oh, God's so mysterious. He's not too mysterious right there, you know? What, what, what do you want me to do for you? 
Like we, we can't miss the fact that he cares about like about our wants. And it's very easy to um, to kind of like talk ourselves in circles sometimes and think like, well, this is this is my pain, this is my difficult situation, this is what I'm going through, um, and uh, but but I kind of created my own situation or I got myself into this mess, I can get myself out of it or you know whatever. God's too busy tending to more important things, all that kind of stuff. And when when we become convinced of that, we we basically are are ref- showing the fact that we have a very small view of God. That anytime we think that God's too busy, he doesn't really care about this, this is not really his, to, I don't need to worry about him, I don't need to pray about this, I don't need to, we're, we're basically saying he's not really big enough to tend to my stuff and also take care of the whole planet. When the scriptures actually point to, to God who has like more than enough time on his hands to do all those things. Like there's more than enough of him to take care of, of the pain in our lives. And so he, he not only cares about your pain, but he wants to help you with it. That Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? And he cares about our response. He wants us to know that. First thing, he cares about your pain. Second thing, he wants to help you in your pain. The third thing is that he wants us to know is that faith gets his attention. Look at verse 52, the first part of it. At the end of all of this, Jesus tells him, go your way, your faith has made you well. He doesn't say, go, go your way, you said, the, you said just the right combination of words, you know. You got that you got that prayer request just right. You've been behaving so well lately. I'm going to go ahead and give you what you want. He doesn't he doesn't answer with 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 religious rule keeping. He doesn't he doesn't answer with behavior modification. He he just says your faith has made you well. That faith all throughout the scriptures that is what gets God's attention. There's really two things consistently, humility, faith. And they pretty much go together. And faith doesn't have to be, like, complicated. Could it be that this guy, all he had to do was recognize Jesus for who he is and trust that he's the only one that can rescue him? Because he says, Jesus, son of David, like, he has, he has heard Jesus of, Naz- of Nazareth is coming. There's a reputation there. And when he says Jesus, son of David, using that term, he's saying, basically saying Jesus, our Messiah, Jesus, our deliverer, Jesus, the promised one that, uh, of God who he has sent to us to rescue us. You're the only one that can help me. He didn't have to know uh, like tons and tons of theology, although theology is very important. He didn't have to understand everything about God. He didn't have to have all his doubts worked out and all that stuff. There's room for all those things. I'm not dismissing them, but I'm saying at the, at the, at the very base of all of that, this guy knew who Jesus was and he knew that he's the only one that could help me. And Jesus looked at that faith and says, you know what? That has made you well. That alone has made you well. So what does God want us to know? He cares about our pain. He wants to help us in, in our pain. And he's looking at our faith. Do we see him for who he is? And do we know he's the only one that can help us? Now, now move to the second question. What does he want us to do? Like knowledge, knowledge is great, but it's supposed to move us into action. And so what are we going to do with these things that we know? Um, 
Here's, here's the first one. I think God wants us to tell him what, like, tell him what you want. In response to him saying, what do you want me to do? I think he wants you to, I think he really, like, really wants to know. That's not a rhetorical question. Look at, look at verse 51. Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Like, just answer the question. And I don't think it's ridiculous to think that Jesus could be asking the same question of us today. In your situation, whatever it may be, whether it's level 10 pain or it's more of a two over three, it doesn't really matter. In your situation, what if Jesus brought you here today to read this story so you could sense him saying the same thing? What do you, what do you want me to do for you? And what if, what if he really wants you to just be honest with him and answer? Don't be shy about it. Don't be insecure about it. Don't overthink it. You're here today. Something's going on in your life that you need Jesus, the rescuer, to help you with. And maybe he's saying, what do you want? Just tell me. Just have the courage to just tell him. There's nothing you could tell him that he's going to be like, whoa, that's crazy. No crazier than a blind man saying, can you give me my sight back? He's not afraid of it. He's not appalled by it. He's not shocked by it. There's, there's nothing that we could, could answer him that is going to repel him. If anything, what a demonstration of faith that really is. That if he's saying, what do you want me to do for you? To answer him shows I know who you are and I know that you're the only one that can help me. Second thing, what does he want us to do? Don't be discouraged. Simply respond to his calling. Look at verse 48. It says, And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. So this guy's crying out to Jesus, and people are like, Shh, 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 shh. He ain't got time for you. You stay over there, seated on the ground, begging for money. You, you stay on the margins. We don't really care about you. I'm trying to silence him. And I love that it says, uh, but he cried out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. He's like, oh, you trying to want me to be quiet? How about I be louder? The more they silenced him, the louder he got. That perhaps, um, perhaps there's a part of you that is, that is having your own form of discouragement. That, that there's something that is keeping you, even, even over the course of these few minutes of, of teaching, you're like, you can't, I can't really tell God what, I'm, what I want or what I'm thinking or this, this, this. And you're, you're talking yourself out of it, almost like listening to these discouraging voices telling him to be quiet. But then there are a part of you that's like, no, I, I will not be quiet. Actually, I'm probably just going to get a little louder. Isn't there a part of you that wants to push past overthinking it and all the reasons and trying to talk yourself out of it and real and remembering that that god loves persistence it's all through the scriptures he loves it he loves it look at verse 49 jesus stopped and said call him so they they called the blind man and probably the ones who were silencing him Jesus says, hey, go get him. So they had to like humble themselves, go bring him over. But then they changed their tune. There's like something shifted and they said, take heart, get up. He is calling you. That's, uh, that's what we got. We got to like dig into that. If there's a part of you that is hesitant about being honest with God, uh, take heart, get up. 
and recognize who is calling you. Your rescuer is calling you. And so verse 50, throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Maybe, maybe that's you today. Maybe this is a spring up and come to Jesus day for you. I kind of thought it would be an amen right there. I, I don't know. It's, just me. it's not in my notes or anything, so no pressure. Here's the last point. What does he want us to do? He wants us to be confident in our healing and to follow him. Verse 52. Jesus said, go your, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. I would love to be able to tell you that whatever you ask him to do, he's going to do it. I wish I could say, this is proof that anything you ask him, you're going you're gonna to get what you want. That's not the point of this story. And that's, that's not what the scriptures even teach. It preaches really well, though. <laughs> right? It, it, it's, but the truth is, we've all asked God to do stuff. And he didn't do it. We've asked him to work miracles and he hadn't done it. We've asked him to heal and he hasn't done it. We've asked him to restore relationships and, and free. He, just being completely honest, like that's not how it works. And that's hard sometimes because when you get to the point where you have the courage and you, Jesus is saying, what do you want me to do for you? You're like, this is what I want you to do. Um, it's hard to receive a, that's not what I have for you. Now, in his case, it all worked out exactly right. And we just need to know that our, like his response to us, it may be circumstantial, you know, like tangible, um, measurable, exactly what we asked for kind of stuff. But it may not. That Jesus could have said, what do you want me to do for you? And then he said, I want my sight back. And Jesus could have said, uh, Go your way, your faith has made you well, and his sight didn't come back. That there is a there is a deep healing that happens. To know that that w- when you are honest with your about your pain and you ask him to speak into it, that the circumstances could go one way or the other, but he has done the deep work of the soul, hasn't he? Like Jesus died and like rose again and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He's like he's on the throne of the universe. And no matter if I get what I want or not, that's not changing what he has done inside of me. That's not changing what he has done inside of you. And that even if what I'm asking him to do, he says, that's not what's best for you. I have another plan for you. Um, As hard as that is to process, there can be a deep confidence and security that I walk away with. That if I believe he is who he says he is and that he's the only one that can rescue me, and he says, well, rather than doing this, I'm actually going to do this, but nothing will undo who I've made you. That the old has gone has passed away and the new has come that in christ you are a new creation and so yeah you you may go through this difficulty you may may go through a season that's so hard you may have an experience that takes you years to heal from 
Those things don't speak to your identity, though. And so I believe that in, in him saying, I care about your pain, I want to help you, I'm looking at your faith, and, and us being, being like responding to that call and being honest with him, and him saying, your faith has made you well, I think he's speaking to the deep parts of us. The parts of us that, that don't go back and forth based on if we get our way or not. That don't go, that it doesn't shift if, just because life is hard or life is easy. There's that like un, unchangeable thing that God has done inside of us. That is what has made us well. That's what he's talking about. I'm so happy for this guy, right? I can't wait to meet him on the new earth. I want to hug him and tell me what that was like. And some of you are going to have those experiences where you're like, I asked God to do this crazy thing and he did it and it was amazing. And we're also going to have those times where I asked God to do this and he didn't do it. But he's still good. He's still with me. Doesn't change who, who I am or who he is, what's going on. It just means I got to walk, I gotta walk like, through some stuff. It's okay. It doesn't, you don't throw out the whole Bible just because we're like dealing with brokenness. And so Christ, the body of Christ broken for you, the blood of Christ poured out for you, that, that's what we rally around. Circumstances come and go. Jesus cares about all of them, and he wants to tend to us through it. But at the end of the day, we are, uh, we are healed by what he has done. And so I hope that this has been encouraging to you uh, this morning. I'm going to pray for us. And you'll have the opportunity to sing to pray, to receive communion. Uh, this is a, a group project, right? So you might have to let some people out of the aisle and all that. It's just kind of how we do it. But responding to whatever God is stirring, we want to give you the chance to do that. So let's stand together as I pray for us. God, I am, I'm so grateful for this story that um, I'm so ha- happy for Bartimaeus. And I'm happy for those in the room who have been or are going through things where they're asking you to do some really concrete stuff and you do it. I think it's awesome. And I pray for those who are going to ask you to do some things and you're going to have something different for them. I'm thankful, God, that no matter what happens, uh, you've done this, this unchangeable, immovable thing. And so I pray as we sing and as we pray and as we receive communion, just as we're together in response, that, uh, that you would have your way and that your will would be done and that this room would be just like it is in heaven um, in these next few moments. We love you. We thank you. And pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. So our communion stations are open. You can come whenever you're ready. And uh, we'll sing a little bit and respond together.